Well, hey, everybody, thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults here in Orange County. I'm sitting down with Pastor Jonah Coyne. Hey, hey. He works with youth at Gateway Church and is moving to Dallas real soon here and uh, leads an organization called Stay Here, which is uh, suicide prevention and working with mental health among right. young people. It's a really important organization. Uh, why don't you give the plug now? What? How do we find it? Yeah, if you go to stayhere.live or .live, you can find us there or on Instagram, same thing. Uh, at stayhere.live. Amazing. Yep. I know you do a lot of important work. It's been fun hanging out. You yeah. did a powerful service with our young people last night. Thanks, man. So much fun. Part of what I want to get into is um, talking about, I think, just maybe the inception of this movement. And yeah. I know some of the t-shirts have gone viral. There's been people already in Orange County that have recognized some of the totally. merch that you guys are wearing. Um, but tell me about how, how, did you, how did Stay Here begin? How did you start that? Yeah, so we began... Uh, around two years ago, right before COVID, uh, and we've talked a lot about this, but we noticed, because I was a youth pastor for five years, yeah. my brother was as well, uh, and both of us as youth pastors lost students to suicide. Hmm. Um, I know my brother, he lost two, I lost one, and wow. experiencing that and the grief even of their family, their siblings, all of that is such a hard thing to pastor through. And then we lost two people really close to us. Uh, I lost an uncle. His name's Greg Sweet. Uh, he struggled with Parkinson's disease for years, hmm. uh, but he was a strong man of faith. And I lost him in 2015 to suicide as I was going into ministry school. And for me, wow. experiencing the grief of that and all the questions about mental health that come up from that, suicide as well. And then the one that really made us actually start stay here. Uh, it was when a pastor named Jared Wilson, who's from Orange County, I'm sure you're, you know, you're familiar with him, yeah, Cody. Yeah. Uh, when he took his life, it was on suicide prevention day hmm. in September. And wow. uh, he wrote the forward for my brother's first book, actually. And I remember my brother, Jacob, calling me just sobbing on the phone and couldn't even get words out. But he's like, Jared Wilson took his life. And so I drove my car all the way over to his house, spent time with Jacob, and we just started talking. Is there anything that we can do about this epidemic of suicide? And this is pre-COVID. Okay. This was like, you know, we're just coming up with ideas. What could we do? We both work with youth. Um, we, de we definitely didn't have the following that we might do now, but sure. we were like, can we just do something, you know? Yeah. And so our first idea was, well, let's get into schools and do assemblies. Let's do suicide prevention assemblies in schools. And so we started doing that, and then COVID happened. Wow. It was after we got into our first school, did an assembly. 80, I think it was like 80 kids said no to suicide at that school, raised their hand. It was so powerful. Incredible, yeah. But we realized uh, during COVID, and we'll talk a lot more about this, you know, when we started stay here, it was suicide was bad then, but it increased all the more yep. during COVID. Right. And so, but all of our plans kind of shut down. We were like, well, how are we going to get into schools? They're all locked down. How are we going to get into churches? Churches are locked down. Yeah. And so we thought is stay here over with like this idea, this dream we had to see people free. What can we do about this? And then that's when we started a training. 
And because everything was online at the time, like if you're listening to this and you're a pastor, like, or, you know, working in, in that capacity, everybody was doing Zoom. Everybody was trying to figure out what are we going to do? And so we created an online training that's completely free. It's called the ACT Training, and it trains people in Jesus-centered suicide prevention. Amazing. And so we've trained churches. We've already trained 10,000 individuals um, since we started. We actually launched the training like a year and a half ago. Okay. And we've trained 10,000 people. That's amazing. And so the stuff we're seeing, we can talk more about it on here, is incredible. Um, but what really kind of took stay here to the next level is when my brother Jacob was at this, uh, he was at this young leader summit. It was like a next gen summit in Kona, okay. Hawaii. And they were having this prayer meeting and my brother has this vision of Lou Angle. Are you familiar with yeah. Lou? Yeah. And so he has this vision of Lou Angle and Lou Angle's rocking like he does, you know, sure. <laughs> this vision. and he says, He's shouting in the stadium. He says, Gen Z will be suicide free. Gen Z will this be suicide free. This is a vision. Wow. And he's, he's shouting this. And then uh, my brother, you know, he's crying from this vision. And then he sees this young generation, Gen Z, shouting it back. Gen Z will be suicide free. Wow. Amazing. And so we knew then and there, he, you know, he called me and he was like, this is going to be our vision. Yeah. Is that this generation will be suicide free. Um, like, are you, are you familiar with Charity Water? Mm -hmm. You know, so like Charity Water, for their organization, they want to give everybody clean water all right. over the world. And we've, we've talked with Victoria Harrison. She's the, the founder. And she told us, you know, you have to have a dream that's bigger than you can even imagine. Yep. Because if, if your dream is possible with you, it's probably not a God dream. Mm -hmm. And so our dream is that an entire generation would actually be free from suicide. Incredible. Free from mental health. I know it, it's gonna, it's a huge journey, but we're going to fight for it. Yeah. So that's kind of how it all started and where we're at today. That's amazing. Yeah. I love maybe just to pick up on something you said in the very beginning mm -hmm. that the reason this all began is started with a burden. Yeah. And I think, you know, what you're talking about is having something attached or something that you're part of that's bigger than you. Yeah. I think really does have to start with a burden feeling like this is something that, you know, maybe through a felt need or through some right. crisis that happens in my life, just kind of going like, well, I'm available yes. and I'm willing. And I, I feel like we need to do something and maybe there's, you know, not a lot that's going on with this. Right. Um, can you just maybe speak to that? Like yes. being something that, you know, started as just a burden and even being met with challenges along the way. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think, I think most of us, God is speaking to us. Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, according to the burden that's on our life, so you know, good. where you, where you experience that burden or you have a, an experience of pain in your life. Like for us, suicide was a direct pain, a moment of pain in our right. life. And I, I think this, I believe this, that God uses our pain for our purpose. Mm -hmm. He always does that. And so yeah. I think a lot of us, God might give you a burden that's greater than yourself, hmm. but he's looking for individuals who will just say yes. Yep. He's just looking for someone who says, I know this is going to be challenging, but if you're calling me to this God, I know that you're going to take care of the rest. And that's been our experience with stay here is starting an organization is no joke. Like just straight up, like it is so hard. I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, especially a mental health organization. 
because of the stories that you're always hearing. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the stories of young people taking their life that we didn't get to, the, the mental health challenges in our day and the statistics that are current that we'll talk about as well. But uh, I, I recognized uh, another person, Reinhard Bonnke. I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with Reinhard, but he, uh, God gave him a vision of a blood-washed Africa. And, and he said in this vision, this dream, God was saying, Africa shall be saved. Wow. And he gave the dream to Reinhard three nights. And then the next day he's like, I don't know if I can do this necessarily. Mm. And, and God speaks to Reinhard and he says, I've already asked three people. And they said, no, are you going to say no to, wow. to this, to this vision, to this dream I have? And we feel this about stay here. We feel like God has spoken to a lot of people about this issue. Wow. But a lot of people aren't willing to say yes wow. to the fight. And that's what our kind of burden and call is, especially for the church, is we can't do this alone. Mm -hmm. You know, on my own, on my brother, like with my brother, we can't do this alone. So we're calling the church yes. at large to rise up and, and, and show them, like, do you guys see this issue? Do you see the kids that are taking their life? Do you recognize that suicide is the second leading cause of death? Yeah. And are we just going to sit back and say, so I guess suicide is just a normal way to die Yeah. when it's absolutely not. Right. And I think in the church, suicide for years has kind of been this taboo where totally. there's a lot of shame attached yeah. to mental health, depression, anxiety, suicide. I mean, for years, I believed if you took your life, you would go straight to hell. Um, okay, yeah. and, and we, we talk a lot about that too. And just sure. my thoughts on that, but I, I just want to show the church, like you guys, we have to talk about this issue Yeah, because when we talk about it, statistics show us that the rates of suicide dramatically drop. Mm. Like even at youth last night, you know, where I'm talking about this issue and so many students came up to me at the end saying, I've been struggling with suicidal yeah. thoughts. Can you pray for me? Can I talk to you about this? Just because we brought up the issue. Yep. And a lot of us are afraid. Well, if I bring up this issue, is it going to push a person over the edge right. to actually end up taking their life? No, it's actually going to open up a door for them to receive healing. Yes. And so our burden right now is to bring awareness. Mm-hmm. And to call the church to action. Yeah. Um, and not just the church. We want to do things all over. But specifically, I feel, you know, we have the answer in Jesus yep. as the body of Christ. And if we can mix Jesus with the tools that the world even gives yeah. for suicide prevention, what a force yes. that will be for the world. And so that's that's where we are right now. Well, right there, what you just said, I think, was actually so profound mm -hmm. because this is an issue, mental illness, right. mental health, even suicide prevention. It's mm -hmm. one that can so easily, we can only think of in terms of psychology and medicine yeah. and science. And I think there's almost like one of the trends that I've seen is almost there's like a departure away from like God's involvement mm -hmm. in that because it's like, okay, well I'm struggling with this, but I need, you know, a counselor or a therapist to fix it. And I believe in that. I think it's all really important. Yeah. But what I love about you guys and kind of watching, you know, from the sidelines for a while is seeing that there's that partnership. I mean, even last night you have a brilliant prophetic ministry mm -hmm. and even beginning to see that it's like we, we can, you know, say that there's some very real, 
um, you know, practical ways to fight this. And there's some ways to kind of come alongside people, but there's also no replacement for the spirit of God. That's right. And partnering those together. I think what you're, what you just said is like, that's how this solution, or that's how we're going to find a solution to an issue this big. Um, one of the things I was reading this morning and I actually, someone sent it to me. I don't think this was an accident, but this is released in, um, the, uh, LA times today that there was today, a, today this morning wow. was talking about the increase of mental health and mental health concerns among young adults. This is, you, you were t- saying this as kind of, we were talking that what one in four, one in four for high school students in this region yeah. have contemplated suicide in the last year. Yeah. Here in our city, yeah. this is what it said. It said that over half of the people have reported depression. 31% of people thought of suicide, 16% of people have reported previous instances of self-harm. Wow. That's here in Orange County. It's huge. And even nationally, there's like the second leading cause of death among, was it 14 to 30-year-olds? Yeah, yeah. Is, um, ten, is suicide. 10 to 14. 10 well. to 14, yeah. Yeah. So there's this like widespread pandemic Mm -hmm. and it's almost like as difficult of a topic that it is and as hard as it is maybe to address Mm -hmm. it's almost too important to not address that's right and i think like maybe can you speak to um like why do you think that this is on the rise maybe what are some underlying things or if you can maybe think of in your experience talking with students and and pastoring students and even um, training leaders what are some things that you see that you know is a concern to you and why this is a rising statistic yeah i think uh 2020 to now uh and I, i feel like a lot of people would say this but it's just true. I think 2020 to now, we went through a lot of collective trauma. Yeah. And you just have to call it what it is. Because I think a lot of people can just go like, well, I got through that season. I'm on to the next one. Right. But from the people that I've talked to, even pastors, leaders, people leading big businesses, their mental health's not great either. Hmm. And I, I really believe the reason why is because we went through a lot of trauma together as a whole. We lost loved ones uh, during the pandemic. We, lo- we lost friends. We lost family. We were isolated, especially here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you guys were locked down for a long time. Right. I, we were as well in Seattle. And that level of isolation, I think especially for youth and young adults, we weren't created to do life alone. And this, I think the things that people saw in their homes yeah. uh, with families, maybe abuse, divorce, uh, cause that stuff went up during COVID as well. Yeah. Uh, because people are locked in, they're not at school, they're not in their routine, mm-hmm. they're not in their rhythm. And so I think we're coming out of that place, but I don't think a lot of people have processed all that they've really yeah. gone through. And because they haven't processed what they've gone through, they're sitting with all of this, you know, emotional pain hmm. and this trauma, this, these things that they've gone through. And so my, my thought for people is counseling is so important, Yes, especially for young adults that are listening to this right now. Processing what you've gone through is, is one of the best ways that you can get healed and really taking note of like, how am I really doing? Like I do that for myself. I'm yeah. 27 years old. I've, I've, I'm married. I have two kids, but I always check internally and I go, so how am I really doing? Yeah. How's my mental health? How's my emotional health? Um, have I cried recently? Hmm. Am I happy? Like ask, asking these questions because yeah. I don't want to numb out. 
Right. I don't want to become this person that just numbs out and calluses. And I think a lot of young adults do that where we numb out because we're afraid of the pain we're actually feeling inside of sure. us. And if you would just get honest and vulnerable and real with the mm-hmm. community that community that's around you with God, with yourself, those are the steps that we're going to take towards healing. Yep. But I think a really big part of this is just what we've gone through and what we're, what we're continuing to go through as a culture. I mean, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but about the racial unrest that we all went through and are still going through yeah. the political unrest, the pandemic, um, culture, it's loss it's of jobs, loss yeah. of jobs. Uh, inflation, yep. all of these pressures weighing on people. Mm-hmm. And they're like, what's the purpose of this? How do, how do I actually get through this? Yeah, It's been a hard season. And so you just have to call it what it is and go, we're going to weather through this. Yeah. It's, it's going to be challenging, but we're going to get through this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think like what, you know, that practice, yeah. of just checking in yeah. and understanding, like, you know, sort of being in tune with what's happening on the inside. So right. Yeah. I think a lot of people, especially like in young adults, they feel this pressure to perform or to live up to their Instagram page mm-hmm. or to, you know, kind of like feel like we've got it all together. And yeah, it's a cliche, but it's like, you know, anytime someone asks how we're doing, it's like, we're always good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we, t- we talk to our community a lot about sort of the principle of just kind of like taking inventory is what I would call it. It's great. And just being honest enough to recognize like, hey, like when you take inventory, there's three things that happen. Number one, you realize what you have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Number two, you realize what you're missing. Yep. And number three, you realize maybe what's out of place. You know, there's some things that have been maybe put on different shelves that actually don't belong there. And mm-hmm. there's some organizing that needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I think being willing and honest enough to even just pause and say, Hey, this is what I may be feeling right now, or this is what I feel like my soul needs, mm-hmm. my heart needs. And even beginning to just say that as, as a huge step. And then I think a step further is like, I just want to give permission. Maybe like, it's okay to have a lot of these feelings. Yes. Anger, frustration, sorrow, you know, trauma, all of those things. Like it's, it's a part of it. And I think it's okay to have the feelings, but the most important thing is what you do with those feelings, not to just suppress them or to keep them to yourself, Mm -hmm. but to ask for help when you need it. Yeah. Can Um, I speak into that? Yeah, please. So when I, when my uncle passed away in 2015, I went through a season where it was just like, I thought I was like a a captive to depression, a Mm. captive to anxiety. And I've never experienced that in my life. Okay. So when it happened, I was like, no, I'm one of those. This is literally what my thought was. I'm one of those people. I've got a mental health issue and I'm, I don't know how to escape this. Um, and it's like a permanent thing. It felt permanent. I would wake up with it, go to sleep. My heart would pound super hard. Hmm. Couldn't find joy. I was just lost. And that was so hard for me because at the ministry school I was going to, people gave me a nickname. They called me Joyna. Hmm. Like you're the joy guy. Hmm. And I had no joy. Wow. All of my joy was gone. I was just sad all the time. So I felt like I had to fake it. Okay. And I just pressed down all of these feelings, which ended up making it so worse. Um, and I, I, I recognized something over, it was a two year journey for me that very few Christians talk about the soul. Hmm. A lot of Christians talk about spiritual health. We don't talk about physical health a lot either. And we don't talk about the soul, our emotions. Yeah. And so I found this book, it was recommended by John Mark Comer, uh, 
uh, by Pete Scazzaro called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Brilliant, yeah. And that book changed everything for me because hmm. it, it opened up this paradigm of going like, wait a second, God loves the soul. Yeah. He said that we're supposed to love him with all of our soul. Yep. And he has a soul. Right. Our, our God who created us in his image has emotions, mm-hmm. has a soul has experienced anger. It says in uh, Isaiah 53 that Jesus was a man who was a friend of grief, mm-hmm. acquainted with grief. Yeah. Man of sorrows. A man of sorrows, yeah. acquainted with grief. So he went through these emotions that we've all gone through and he's able to sympathize with us and what we're going through. And like what you said, these emotions are not evil when mm-hmm. processed with the Lord. Right. And so I realized, you know, after reading that book and then really just having a deep dive in the Psalms and just studying yeah. David's life, I mean, emotional, like you want to read, like, it's just like yeah. so much emotion mm-hmm. in prayer, in worship. It's the life of David. Yep. And so what I did in that season of feeling kind of numb and broken, depressed, anxious, I let my emotions start to rise to the surface and I brought them to the Lord in praise and worship. And then I started bringing it to people that I trust. And I found that the more I did that and I took steps towards that, that I got healed. Mm -hmm. It was just almost this quick turnaround of processing with mentors, processing with fathers and mothers, processing with my wife and then with the Lord. Yep. And this healing began to take place. This shift began to take place in my heart when I recognized, wait, I'm not actually, I'm not broken beyond repair. Yes. And there is a journey towards healing. And this is the way. This is the way is opening up your heart before the Lord and people. Yeah. So, so like that, that is, I think such a important point. The Mm -hmm. book of Psalms to me, like we've, we've done a study through that here in our community. And it's like getting a chance to see throughout the, you know, hundred and something Psalms that there are, Mm -hmm. it's so much of the human experience is represented. I mean, there's the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, but the common theme throughout all of them is that we're actually bringing our human experience before God. That's right. And it's like, there's almost permission to do that. There's permission to be angry. There's permission to question God and to doubt. There's permission to feel really low and permission to also celebrate and to bring God into that human experience. And it's like, God never asked us to sanitize that. Mm -hmm. God never asked us to put on like this religious personality when we come to him. Yeah. It's just kind of like approaching all of what we're feeling yeah. every day, every maybe experience that we have. Mm-hmm. But you said something else that was really key. And it's like when it's tied to healing, it's not just about bringing our honesty before God, but it's also welcoming other people into that that's journey. Right. And that's like, you know, there's been, there's been a theme, I think like a, a felt need, maybe just here, but I think all across the board in, in young adults is there's like this theme of healing mm-hmm. that I'm seeing sort of like the, um, that God wants to sort of bring up in our generation. hundred percent. I think James five sixteen gives us a really important pattern to that where it says, confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed for the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And we, we sometimes separate those. It's one verse, but we separate the halves of the verse Mm -hmm. to think like, you know, Oh, in a prayer meeting, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. But the context of that is talking about honesty and confession and healing. And so the pattern for healing 
no matter what kind of healing it is, is your honesty and someone else's prayers. That's so good. And I think bringing people into that journey, beginning to like have say, Hey, can you pray for me? Mm-hmm. Like I'm feeling like I, I can't, I can't pray for myself in this, or this is just really hard to carry, or this is a heavy weight to bear. Yeah. Can you come alongside me on that journey? And even not even being embarrassed or feeling like ashamed to do that. I think, you know, that's, I don't want to make light of that. I know that's a big step for a lot of people, but it actually is the best way. Absolutely. And it's so important in terms of God's pattern. Mm-hmm. And I, I think beginning to unpack that. Yeah. Um, can we talk about mental health in the church? Let's do it. Um, so why do you think it's become such a taboo issue? I, I think we're maybe getting better. Oh, <laughs> we think, are. Um, we're getting there. Definitely some strides, but <laughs> yeah. I think on one end it's, it's, you know, I've seen people that maybe are, are feel uncomfortable or unqualified to talk about it. So they just kind of like don't even address it and hope yep. it goes away. Yeah. I think there's another group that would, you know, discount, um, the, the real value in maybe professional services or something like counseling and therapy and yeah. think like, you know, the only therapy you need happens at the altar. Um, <laughs> so there's like some different, you know, I, I don't mean to, you know, come after anybody, no. but I do think that it's become something that's really difficult to talk about and it has right. almost become an area for a lot of misunderstanding. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you can kind of bring clarity to that. Yeah. I think we've done, uh, I've noticed this throughout church history that we swing the pendulum mm-hmm. a lot. And what I mean by that is sometimes we'll, there'll be major emphasis across the body of Christ on certain issues. Mm-hmm. And I know years, years ago that, yeah, mental health was a taboo or like we talked right. about, uh, I think it was, it's the, it's in the Catholic church. Um, and in many other circles, the word commit suicide like if you, if you just break it down, commit actually came from the church, hmm. like as a crime or a sin, wow. like this is an unforgivable sin. If you commit suicide. Wow. And so in our organization, we don't even say the word commit. Yeah. We'll usually say you died by suicide. Yeah. Um, because it, we want to remove as much shame as we possibly can. And just realizing like, um, even for my uncle, And I'll I'll get to more of the church stuff in a second, but just to expound on this topic with my uncle, he was a a man of faith for his whole life, like strong man of faith, spirit filled, Mm -hmm. um, really helped me in my journey with the Lord. And he took his life because the medicine he was taking was making him go crazy Mm -hmm. for Parkinson's. And, uh, when he, he took his last breath, he was, we were in the hospital room with him. He took his last breath at 5 55 hmm. PM, which is a huge deal for me. And I'll explain that. I've got it tattooed on my wrist. Hmm. Um, cause he would wear these shirts that had the numbers five, five, five on them. Wow. He had hats. He made, he made his huh. own clothing stuff. His, he rode dirt bikes. His dirt bike number was five, five, five. So when we're in the hospital room and they took him off life support, he fought for an hour and he passes at 555. And if you know this, the Hebrew number of grace is five. five. Yeah. Wow. And so when he passed away, presence of God fills that room. You could just feel the presence of the Lord when the doctor said time of death, 555. And his daughters are crying. Everybody's crying because we knew that meant grace. Yeah. That 
my uncle in a moment of deep, deep pain and darkness that we were all in was met by the arms of grace, who is Jesus. Hmm. And he took him, you know, home in that moment. And so I, I think, you know, in the church, we are living on these old teachings that just don't really actually make sense. Sure. And I think too, we, uh, cause you can't really find that in scripture that suicide is the unforgivable sin. Blaspheming the Holy spirit is the unforgivable sin, you know? Yeah. So, but, and I think as a whole with mental health, it's such a big issue. I don't think a lot of pastors know how to address it. Sure. That's a big part of it. And then I think there's that, there's been some uh, issues too where people have addressed it as like every mental health disorder is a demon. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people right. do that where it's like, well, you've got a depression spirit or an anxiety spirit or a suicidal spirit. And that's not always the case. Sure. Um, I, I do believe in mm-hmm. that stuff. I, I believe in uh, deliverance and freedom. I, I believe that's a huge part of our of what we're supposed to do as a ministry. But there's also the practicalities of what you're talking about mm-hmm. and having a value for counseling yep. and for getting educated. Yep. And that's what we're trying to do as an organization is church, body of Christ, you just need to be educated. Yep. And realize that you actually could have the resources to walk people into freedom Mm -hmm. and into wholeness. And so I think it's been such a taboo over the years because I I think we're living off of like old manna. Sure. (laughs) In in a sense. Um, So yeah, that's, those are some of my thoughts about it. And there's some, like, I think, you know, there's maybe even if it's not old thinking, there's like, the times have changed. So changed. And there's some new battles that we're fighting yes. today that maybe our our parents or our grandparents maybe didn't have to fight in the way that we, you know, are fighting them today. Right. And I think, you know, what you're doing is a really important work. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful that as part of my journey, you know, there's been some adequate training around this. And I think one of the things that's just stuck with me is this idea that, like, if if you break your arm, there's no shame in going to see a specialist. Yeah. And going to see a doctor and taking medicine and mm-hmm. getting the right things that you need to heal properly. Yes. And I think mental illness is in a lot of ways the same it's where the there same. shouldn't be shame in saying, Hey, there's, there's something broken yep. and I want to find help for that. Mm-hmm. And even beginning to, I think, remove the stigma, I think is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also seeing like there's some necessary, you know, even practical steps that we can take Absolutely. that can help bring healing, bring freedom mm-hmm. um, and bring help yeah. uh, to someone fighting that. And even just with what you were saying, like the church, we actually invented hospitals. Yeah. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. Like we invent, we, we were huge in in all of that, we've made huge strides, which is an important point. Yes. Don't mean to cut you off, but I think there's a lot of like, uh, criticism Mm -hmm. and, um, maybe skepticism that's been thrown at the church as of recent, um, about like, what good is it anymore? Or to what go to hospital or no, 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 to church. Oh yeah. To think like what, what good has the church been? And there's almost this attack on the historical church Yes, to think like, you know, the church is an ancient thing or we don't need it anymore. Right. But I think even something like that, maybe a lot of people wouldn't know Mm -hmm. that historically the church has been more good than bad. Yeah. Universities. Yes. Uh, we, we invented those hospitals. And so one of our sayings too at stay here is, well, if, if the church invented the hospital and we care about the physical body, how come we don't care about the internal, so good, the mental, the emotional, and we have the resources for that, for the body of Christ to go, you know what? We are going to be arms of healing for people's minds, 
in people's souls. And I'm reminded too of Isaiah 61, where it, it talks about the ministry of Jesus. Yeah. And it says that he was anointed by the Holy Spirit to bind up the brokenhearted and to heal their wounds mm. and to deliver the afflicted. And when you look at a lot of those, a lot of those words in uh, Hebrew, th- that word affliction, it talks about, it's a, uh, it says to have your brow, your eyebrows down, mm. like a depression kind sure. of word. Yeah. And so Jesus actually came to heal the broken heart. Yeah. And to deliver and set free the captives, those that are afflicted, those who are tormented in their minds. And so if that's the ministry of Jesus, that's the ministry of the church. Yep. Because we're his followers, we're his hands and feet. And so yep. I think in this season, the church is getting better with mental health stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see it across the board. Like, you know, you're, you're doing great strides, Cody. This church is making great strides, and there's so many other amazing communities that are doing the same. I, I think a lot of John Mark Comer's ministry and just people who are going like, we're going to go after this mental health thing yeah. and see a healthy church mm-hmm. and a healthy world. So, Yeah, and we're standing with you guys believing for that over this generation. Thanks, bro. Maybe just to recap some of what we've been talking about, two quest- questions that I want to ask in closing. The first one is, what can the church do more of to help and then what's something the church should do less of to help? <laughs> Those are great questions. What the church can do more of is to ask questions hmm. and to, to be learning, a learning church that is, because we don't have it all figured out. And the world is always changing, just like the church is always, it, it's like an organism. Everything's always moving. People are always moving. And so to always be asking questions and just learn, grow in this area of mental health, ask more questions, uh, support organizations that are going after mental health, suicide prevention, get trained. Yeah. Um, our training is amazing. I'm biased, but I, I think it's incredible. It's free. Um, we don't ever want to make it cost anything. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so go and take our training, get educated there. And I think what we can stop doing is shaming people Mm -hmm. who are struggling with mental health. Yeah. So that is, especially with things like suicide, that is the reason why people are closed off. I think to the church in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways is we have closed our arms necessarily to people who are broken mentally and emotionally, Mm -hmm. or we've just prayed a prayer at the altar and said, I hope you get better. Figure it out. Yeah, go and figure this thing out instead of pastoring them through it. And so that's why if we can remove the shame uh, towards people and then just open up our arms and go like, you know what, we're going to take the most broken people in here Mm -hmm. and counsel you through this the best way we can. So get educated, uh, learn how to do it right, and then remove the shame off of people who are struggling. Yeah, awesome. And I think even if we don't have all the right answers to make a commitment that's saying I'm not going anywhere. That's right. I'm I, I, even the shirt that you're wearing, I'm here for you, yep. you know, and I'm not going to have maybe all the things to say or, but I'm going to be here yes. and I'm going to help walk you through that. And you know, some of what I've experienced in people with that, that's some of the best ministry that we could ever yeah, have. If you're present mm-hmm. and if you're just a listening ear, yeah, someone that's safe for someone to come to, 
that's who we should be and how we should do it at the yeah. Tesla church. So maybe some encouragement if somebody's listening to this and are feeling, you know, on, on the receiving side that feels yeah. like they've been met with shame and there's some, you know, real concerns that they have, or maybe even somebody that's listening that is experiencing depression or even suicide, mm-hmm. suicidal thoughts. What encouragement could you give to them? Yeah. I would just encourage you if you're listening right now that, uh, you're not too broken. You're not too broken to be fixed. Uh, that if I can get free, you can. Yeah. Cause I've, I've gone through that journey myself. I've experienced trauma. I've experienced depression and anxiety. Um, and let my life and the testimony of so many other people that we've seen get free be an encouragement to you. You know, testimony actually is the word, uh, do it again. Yeah. That God can do it again. And if he's done awesome. it for one, he'll do it for you too. And if the church has hurt you in any way, because I, I feel that, that there's some people listening that you've been hurt or misunderstood by the church. I want to let you know that uh, people get it wrong, but Jesus will never get it wrong. Yeah. And that people are messy. Maybe they just weren't representing Jesus in the right way, but that's not Jesus that's a man. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are amazing churches out there. There are amazing communities out there that will be a help to you and get plugged in again. I think for young adults, especially listening to this, you crave community. Yeah. We crave fellowship. We crave community. And if you can get into a healthy church community, that's where you're going to get whole mm-hmm. and healed and open up to people again. And so I just want to encourage you, you can do this. Yeah, You can, and you will get through this. And, uh, yeah, we love you. Yeah. I want to echo that. Don't give up. Don't stop fighting. That's right. It's worth it. That's right. So good. Well, Jonah, thanks for being with us. You guys are doing some really important work. Thank you. And, uh, we believe in it. We're praying for you guys and wanting to support however we can. If you're listening to this, check it out. Stay here. Live and uh, find out how you can be a partner and support this mission. Seeing Gen Z be suicide free. Thanks for being with us. We love you, bro. Thanks so much, Cody.